Welcome to the Albany Update with Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Now, with this week's Albany Update, here's Jason McGuire. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Albany Update. Today, we'll begin with news that will be of particular interest to churches that have armed security teams. Recently, New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms and over two dozen churches filed a federal lawsuit claiming that the so-called Concealed Carry Improvement Act, or the CCIA, a New York gun control law passed in July 2022, violates the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution. The CCIA prohibits most law-abiding New Yorkers from carrying concealed firearms in churches and other houses of worship. Well, recently, in the case of Hardaway v. Negrelli, Judge John L. Sinatra Jr. of the U.S. District Court for the Western District of New York issued a temporary restraining order that bars law enforcement agencies from enforcing the CCIA against otherwise lawful gun owners who carry concealed firearms in houses of worship. The Hardaway lawsuit was brought by two Buffalo-area black pastors seeking to defend themselves and their congregants from potential racially motivated attacks. Their complaint cites the 2015 mass shooting at a Charleston, South Carolina church that killed nine people. Judge Sinatra's ruling is a temporary one. It will remain in effect pending a hearing and a decision on the plaintiff's motion for a preliminary injunction. Attorney David Sealing of Brenna Boyce, who represents New Yorkers for constitutional freedoms in this lawsuit, commented, Yet another federal court has confirmed that the state of New York does not have the power to disarm law-abiding citizens in churches and other places of worship. Sealing continued, The court reminded New Yorkers that for all of history until now, the right to carry firearms for self-defense encompassed New York places of worship. The growing number of rulings against the CCIA is not a surprise. The Constitution explicitly protects both the right to assemble for worship and the right to self-defense with a legal firearm. I'll just add this. New York's churches and pastors did not seek out conflict with the state. Litigation was a last, necessary resort for law-abiding church members that simply wanted to protect their families and fellow worshipers. People of faith have been exercising their Second Amendment rights in houses of worship for centuries. Present-day politics shouldn't interfere with those rights. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms will continue to push back against the CCIA until the right of self-protection is restored in churches across our great state. Next up today, we need to discuss that gubernatorial debate. On October 25th, the two candidates for governor of New York, Governor Kathy Hochul, a Democrat and Working Families Party candidate from Buffalo, and Representative Lee Zeldin, the Republican and conservative candidate from Shirley, held an hour-long debate at Pace University in Manhattan. The debate was hosted by Spectrum News. At the debate, the candidates made it abundantly clear that there are vast differences between them on a variety of major issues. This program will outline a few of those differences. First, public safety. Representative Zeldin repeatedly characterized Governor Hochul as being soft on crime, claiming that New York's bail reform laws, which the governor has defended, have led to a crime wave that has left New Yorkers fearful for their safety. Representative Zeldin wishes to roll back the bail reform law and to allow judges to impose bail if a defendant is deemed to be dangerous. In response, 
Governor Hochul pointed to the adjustments that she and the legislature made to the bail reform laws this year. Those adjustments gave judges the authority to require bail based on a defendant's criminal history. Representative Zeldin also vowed that if elected, he would take steps to remove Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg from office. Governor Hochul asserted that her measures to rein in illegal guns have enhanced public safety, criticizing Representative Zeldin for his opposition to gun control. During the past year, New York has passed several new gun control laws, including the Concealed Carry Improvement Act and a ban on semi-automatic weapon purchases by persons under 21 years of age. Representative Zeldin countered by stating that guns are not the only weapons used in violent crimes. Next up was the issue of COVID-19. While Governor Hochul stated that a COVID-19 vaccine mandate for school children was unnecessary, quote, at this time, Representative Zeldin declared his opposition to all COVID-19 mandates. It would appear that the governor is open to a vaccine mandate in the future, whereas Representative Zeldin has closed the door on that. It should be noted that as of today, state legislators are beginning to call for adding a COVID vaccine mandate for school attendance in the coming legislative session. So you can expect that there will be pressure on Governor Hochul to indeed pass a COVID-19 vaccine mandate, whereas Mr. Zeldin has indicated he would oppose that measure. Then there was the debate over the Buffalo Bills stadium deal. Representative Zeldin argued that Governor Hochul had laid out a ton of cash toward a new stadium for the Buffalo Bills and that it was irresponsible in both process and substance. Representative Zeldin contended that the governor had waited until the 11th hour of the state budget process to request the subsidy, and asserted that he would seek to renegotiate the arrangement. Governor Hochul insisted that the enormous subsidy was necessary to keep the Buffalo Bills from relocating, and noted that the state used funds that had been recovered from the Seneca Nation to help defray the cost. Then we knew we weren't getting out of this debate without discussing abortion. Governor Hochul criticized Representative Zeldin for his position on abortion, claiming that, quote, there are very few people in Congress who have a more pro-life record than Representative Zeldin has. Representative Zeldin responded that there was no chance that the legislature would pass a bill curtailing abortion rights. He added that he would not change the state's abortion laws. Representative Zeldin also indicated that he would not use an abortion-related litmus test in appointing commissioners. When asked whether she would support any limits on abortion availability, the governor did not identify any such limits. We should not forget that she was a chief champion of Governor Andrew Cuomo's late-term Abortion Expansion Act. Finally, presidential politics. Governor Hochul stated that she would support President Joe Biden for re-election in 2024 and expressed gratitude for the infrastructure investments made by his administration. When asked whether he would support a 2024 presidential bid by former President Donald Trump, Representative Zeldin answered that he was not yet focused on the 2024 elections. At one point, Governor Hochul asked whether Representative Zeldin believed that Trump was a great president. In response, Representative Zeldin listed a number of the Trump administration's accomplishments. Governor Hochul replied, I'll take that as a resounding yes, and the voters of New York do not agree with you. Representative Zeldin also defended his votes against certifying the 2020 presidential election results. The full debate can be viewed online, and we've linked to it in an article on our website regarding the gubernatorial debate. Election day is scheduled for November 8th. Early voting has already begun, and it continues until November 6th. Please vote. Every vote matters.
Finally, as we move towards Election Day, our organization has been profiling key races across the state. One of those races is occurring in New York's first state Senate district, where Democrat Skylar Johnson, the Democrat and Working Families Party candidate for Mount Sinai, faces Republican Senator Anthony Palumbo, a Republican and conservative from New Suffolk. The newly redrawn state Senate District 1 is located in eastern Suffolk County on Long Island. Johnson, 22, is a graduate of Stony Brook University. According to his campaign website, he has served as a political aide to Southampton Village Mayor Jesse Warren. Johnson is presently employed at New Hour LI, a charity that assists women who are re-entering society after having been incarcerated. Johnson ran for state senate in District 1 in 2020, but finished fourth in a five-way Democratic primary. He supports abortion access, including the 2019 abortion expansion law known as the Reproductive Health Act or the Late-Term Abortion Expansion Act. He supports universal pre-kindergarten, renewable energy, and the New York Health Act, which would create a single-payer system of socialized medicine. Senator Palumbo, 52, is a graduate of Lafayette College and St. John's University School of Law. According to a state Senate website, the senator is a former Suffolk County Assistant District Attorney. The senator represented District 2 in the New York State Assembly from 2013 to 2020. In 2020, Senator Palumbo ran for state Senate and won by a narrow margin. He is seeking re-election to a second Senate term. Currently, the senator is the ranking member of the Senate Codes Committee and the Senate Ethics and Internal Governance Committee. Senator Palumbo's Senate website emphasizes his opposition to bail reform, his support for environmental protection, and his advocacy for tax cuts. The senator has said that he supports abortion rights, but opposes late-term abortion. Senator Palumbo's voting record in the state legislature includes votes against the Reproductive Health Act, the Gender Expression Non-Discrimination Act, and the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act. However, the senator did vote in favor of the Equality Amendment, which would enact a constitutional ban on discrimination based on sex, including sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, pregnancy, pregnancy outcomes, and reproductive health care and autonomy. Another key state Senate race that we're keeping an eye on is Senate District 44. Located in the Greater Capital District, the newly redrawn 44th District includes all of Saratoga County, as well as the city of Schenectady and the town of Niskayuna. The race in District 44 features Democratic Schenectady County Legislator Michelle Osterlich, the Democrat and Working Families Party candidate from Niskayuna, and Republican Senator Jim Tedisco, the Republican and Conservative from Glenville. Senator Tedisco currently represents Senate District 49. While Senator Tedisco does not reside in the newly redrawn 44th District, the district includes a portion of the senator's current district. Osterlich and Senator Tedisco faced off in District 49 in the 2018 state Senate election. The senator prevailed 59% to 41. According to her campaign website, Michelle Osterlich holds degrees from Cornell University and the University of Connecticut School of Law. An attorney by profession, Osterlich has represented the 3rd District in the Schenectady County Legislature since 2019 and chairs the Legislature's Health, Housing, and Human Services Committee. Osterlich's legislative priorities include abortion rights, election integrity, universal health care, the Environmental Bond Act, and protecting access to gender-affirming health care in communities served by Catholic hospital systems. Senator Jim Tedisco holds degrees from Union College 
and the College of St. Rose. A teacher by profession, the senator was elected to the Schenectady City Council in 1977. Senator Tedisco was a member of the New York State Assembly from 1983 to 2016 and served as Assembly Minority Leader from 2005 to 2009. The senator was first elected to the State Senate in 2016 and has been re-elected twice. Senator Tedisco is the ranking member of the Senate Education Committee and the Senate Mental Health Committee. The senator's campaign website notes his advocacy on issues involving missing persons, animal cruelty, and the COVID-19 nursing home scandal, and states his support for repeal of New York's bail reform laws. Senator Tedisco's record includes votes against abortion expansion, against same-sex marriage, the bathroom law, and recreational marijuana, as well as a 2019 vote in favor of the counselor coercion law. Here's why these down-ballot races matter so much. Remember that many of the eyes are watching the governor's race. And let's suppose that the Republican Lee Zeldin defeats the Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul. Well, if a Governor Zeldin walks into Albany and there are Democratic supermajorities in the legislature, whenever the legislature passes and they send to the governor's desk, if the governor were to veto it, a Democratic supermajority could override a governor's veto. However, if Republicans make gains in both the Senate and the Assembly, and there's a Governor Zeldin, well then whenever the legislature, even if it's Democrat-controlled, sends to the governor, well, the governor could withstand a veto. This is why every vote matters, and why you should vote on or before Tuesday, November 8th. Please get out and vote. You have been listening to the Albany Update, hosted by the Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms exists to influence legislation and legislators for the Lord Jesus Christ. To learn more about this ministry, issues you've heard on the program, or to make a financial contribution in support of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, visit albanyupdate.com or call 585-225-2340. Additionally, you can mail correspondence to P.O. Box 107, Spencerport, New York, 14559. You can receive the latest legislative updates at facebook.com slash albanyupdate, follow New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms on Twitter at Albany Update, or sign up to receive the weekly Albany Update email by texting the word FREEDOM to 22828.